No one lives in the pass but the lonely shades that drift down from the mountains to romp and caper across Tizri on the moonless nights, or so the tales told. Remote villages around the jam doors believed in the lost spirits, the dead descendants of those who built the flinty trail to the Tizri Pass. As Randall stared into the hollow eyes of the stranger who spoke of alien war, he began to half-believe such ghosts remained. The two sat by a glowing fire that Randall had rebuilt from banked coals and talked openly. Herpidros quietly studied the young sojourner. Randall's semblance to his old friend, his gestures, movements, were mirror images of the same. Memories overwhelmed to Rand's heart, but his head understood Randall was too young for the possibility to exist. Randall, too, scrutinized the ascetic. The first thing that struck him was the odd copper hue of the recluse's skin. Turan dismissed the freak pigment as a result of conditions living in the past and his diet. Besides the copper oddity, he sported an irregular tunic from stripped bark, something Randall had never seen before. The cloak matched the colors of the mountains, ashen gray and pasty black. Tucked away under the outer cloak, Randall spied a hooded woolen coat. A third layer, a thinner substance than the previous two, pressed against the hermit's body, but Randall could not judge its kind. As each layer's colors blended with the rocks, Randall swore, if his attention were diverted for a moment, he would not be able to locate him again. With the war fully accounted, Randall grew puzzled. First, how do you know that there are wars in Tomkin, which spread toward sex? But second, if there were wars, how do you know the criminal hand of the Hardborn clans lead the fight? As to the former, Randall reasoned that the recluse could not have been in civilization for any considerable time, for the distance was too great. As to the latter, the southern populations, Randall's home knew of the growing civil strife in various northern villages. However, he knew the Hardborn clans were extinct. Randall reiterated, shaking his head at the impossibility of such tidings. How do you know these things? The mountain dweller resisted, and Randall distrusted him more. Do you think you're the only traveler along this pass? The hermit lied. How exactly did the Hardborn survive? Randall asked, and kicked the embers. How exactly is easy? But how did they learn of the news of Tomklin, the civil unrest, the mobbings, the sheriff's misconduct? Corruption in the Hall of Toads among council members? These are more important questions, the hermit complained to himself in response. Strange, Randall thought, how a recluse could be so informed about the political winds in the realm when so many ordinary citizenry cared little. New laws stripping away familiar rights for parents over their children, euthanasia for anyone burdened by an elder parent or relative, cult-like following of regional leaders, legal conscription of children, banning of public meetings, authoritarian laws had demoralized the realm. Apathy grew in a once free people as if they slept. In the last score years, the centralized authority of the regents had consolidated its power and destabilized independent thinking. Unrestrained corruption threatened their resolve to confront the hard tensions under their ruler. With more laws, the people became less self-governing and thus sheep-minded. 
As the ruling class spread a generalized anxiety among the poor, they fortified their grip on the land. Do you know? Randall wanted his answer. No, but I have my guesses, the hermit said. Are you sure that you were not born in Zex? Herpetros tried to change the subject. No, Glendary. The Hardborns, old hermit, were outlawed. Their surviving officers condemned to the gnome where certain death awaited, Randall redirected. Certain death? he mocked. No death in the gnome, green boy. There are plenty of hot springs, protected valleys, warm lakes for foraging, and more if you know where to look for them, or more importantly, know whom to get to help you. It's not the same where you're going. The boom. Isn't that where you're headed, my boy? The emphasis on that last word was like a stone thrown at Randall's head. Randall's distrust increased as he tried to ignore the ridicule. Whom to get? Randall repeated. No one lives in the gnome, nor the boom, Randall remarked. Imp, what did they teach you in Glendary Catechism? Again, Turan's demeaning label intensified Randall's ire. His face grew red with anger from the loner's impertinence. The hermit took too much liberty with his companionship. However, should Randall have known more of the boom, his chosen destination? If there were a way to survive, to live in the boom, such detail would be life-saving. Turan Herpridros did not wait for an answer. Perhaps you have not been taught the unaccepted view that the Heartborn clans escaped the Dauphin by making their way through the boom and into the frozen gnome. John the Dauphin? Yes, answered the hermit. John, dear John. A pleasing look passed across Turan's wrinkled, hollow eyes, and a slight smile raised the corners of his mouth. Mantle noticed the facial betrayal, but it confused him for the response was too affable for a long-dead historical figure. John the Dauphin was the commander who had conquered the Fire Wars and who had briefly ruled during the regent's wealth until his disappearance and likely death. Furthermore, the recluse weirdly used his first name as if still alive. Historians and storytellers generally called the great ruler the Dauphin as no one since has carried the title. The unpopular view, especially in Glendary and Fair, the forgotten wetlands as well, Herpetros said tauntingly, is that the Heartborn clans fled their captors' prisons with the presage that matters would end badly against them should they return to the realm. They died in the gnome, Randall tried to correct the hermit. No, they travel quickly up the pass, right here, he pointed to the high trail above, and once in the boom headed north. Randall tried to spot the area where the old man pointed in the darkness. He shuddered at the possibility that such malevolent people had survived. The condemned men's escorts decided, Turan continued, that if the heartborn clans were determined to enter the boom and face a quicker death than in the gnome, they would not stop them. Thus the clans reached the Tizri Pass, and their escorts, believing the passage was the only entrance and exit from the boom, camped there for one month and one day to ensure that their prisoners would not backtrack. They did not, Trent explained. But how did they survive the boom or reach the gnome through that wasteland? How is there no death in the boom, as you have said? Randall interrupted. 
No, no, Tran sternly replied. You weren't listening. I said no death in the gnome. There's a great deal of death in the bone. It is beyond your knowledge. It, it doesn't matter. Herpetros concluded, but looked away. His left eye began to twitch, and a film of sweat appeared on his brow. Obviously you are not familiar with the bone, Herpetros rejoined after a short pause. The twitching stopped. His tone was kinder, more understanding, but somewhat flat and affected. Tell me, he said, what do you think of the bone? Randall resisted the question. Go on, the strange character begged. What is it that you expect there? Randall distrusted the hermit's nature and his tales, which he passed off as truth. Therefore, to test the loner's veracity, he told him a riddle from the series of dreams after his 19th birthday, someone no one but he knew. I grew up in a fishing community. Boats come up the rivers from the sea to my town to harbor and sell their catch. You see, no one there knows what goes on in the bone. But often I dream of the vast dunes, limitless as the sea itself, a briny deep filled with sand which shifts and rises like waves. Shelves of sand and rocky rifts stretch for leagues beyond one's vision. Somewhere in it, a giant amphitheater lies amid black rocks. As you claim to know so much about the bone, tell me if my dream is true by describing the features of that pit. Tell me and I will answer your own question as to what I expect. In Randall's mind, if the hermit correctly guessed, then either he had traveled to the bone or had the improbable chance to share Randall's same dream. Turan's accuracy would signify he had some capacity for truth-telling. It would also indicate that Randall's disturbing dream was a truthful portent of the bone. If, however, the hermit could not answer, then either Turan lied about his presence in the bone, or Randall's dream affair was an illusion. It did not matter. Your dreams are rather accurate. Turan began as a sharp pain ascended his left temple. Randall's description compounded his gnawing curiosity. He grew upset as he reasoned the boy could not have known such an holy place without understanding how to survive in the bone. Indeed, he had once visited the exact site whose coordinates were many days northwest from the pass, across death-dealing pits. But you are a fool. May I tell you something? The hermit changed the tone. Do you dispute it? Randall shook his head. He was annoyed by the hermit's unconventional discourse. The balm is a terror for many, nay most, but it is a wonder for a few, he paused from uncertainty. Was he too accepting with this traveler? Are you at all sure of your mother and father? Herpetro switched to a safer subject and pestering interrogatories about Randall's heritage. As I said, I've never known them. Now, what of my request? Randall could not let on how much he desired to know how others had survived the bone. As he approached the pass, his own sense of inadequacy in facing the vast desert multiplied. His dialogue with the hermit made his inexactitude stand out. Herpetros responded, Your Sea of Sand account is rather accurate, but I don't think they taught that to you in catechism. Herpetros paused with genuine introspection. Randall was getting under his copper skin. The sand does stretch beyond sight, like oceans indeed. There are many types of sand too, as the sea has different colors and specific dangers to avoid. 
In the bone, the sand can be like a rock upon which you can run and jump. You can travel across it, but when you look back upon it, it rolls and shifts even. Where you had once traveled, you discover you cannot return, for it would suck you down into its coarseness with a few tugs and expunge your life as if you were a blade of grass. Turan could not stop. Worse than that, though, are the sandstorms which appear and disappear without compromise. No warning, no signs portend their arrival. The wind can eat flesh off a camel in fifteen seconds. In an hour there are no bones. Though he remained uncertain about the hermit, Randall cringed as Herbert Rose went on. Must I deliver more to gain your trust? As for your amphitheater, there are six craggy columns arising from its pit, one of which towers fifty or so spans high and stands out like the mast of a ship. Indeed, it resembles a vast, ghostly seafaring craft. The hermit knew. Randall's dream was an accurate foretelling of the bomb. Randall asked, But those few you mentioned, can one survive in the bomb? How did the heart born? Randall grew more serious with each question. Yes, I've brought you into my confidence a little, haven't I? Tran conceded. Well, I see it's early morning. The fog is lifting. We can see clearly enough to walk. Would you journey with me to my quarters and lunch as my guest? There, perhaps, you can tell me what I wish to know about your expectations. The old hermit inquired as he held Randall's obligation. The hermit's curiosity in the neophyte traveler rose to a new level. If Turan could spend a half-day tending to the youth, he might discover who had told the inexperienced traveler about the balm, for clearly Randall had not been there. Added to his wonder was Randall's look-alike features, a twin to his ancient companion. As for Randall, though he was hesitant to agree with the eccentric hermit, he feared he would not learn how others had endured. Certainly his animals could use a respite as Dinky's complaining had grown worse. Turan's proposition had risks, specifically the hermit attacking him as he did the previous night. Indeed, Turan's lunch would lead them to off-trail venues where the hermit would have an advantage to waylay him. No, Randall denied. Herpidros, saddened at Randall's misgivings, added more allure to his offer. By the way, the hermit said as he stood to lead the way, one can survive his whole life in the balm if he wants to do such a fool thing. I've lived out there for six months straight. Randall stopped. If what the hermit told him were true, he must endure his company a few more hours. <laughs>